0: So, yeah, we are in a series called Follower. This is going to be part five. Last week, Christy preached a great message on followers. of. What we're looking at is what followers of Jesus do. Jesus, throughout the New Testament, gives several examples of, if you want to follow me, that's great. But here's what that means. And last week, Christy talked about... Jesus teaching the uh, building your life on the rock or building your life on the sand and how that life on the rock that firm foundation isn't just Jesus but it's obedience to Jesus how followers of Jesus we have this calling to just obey him that's really if you get down to the deaf and what the, the point of this series is if you really get down to the definition of the word follower it's you follow somebody you follow them, you closely follow the teachings of Jesus and his example and you apply it to your life. And so I've wanted to do this series because as a church, we're kind of entering a whole new season and if you are new and if you come to lunch today, in addition to Chipotle, you'll hear all about where we're going as a church and one of the things is we have a building that we are we have purchased and we're currently under construction, downtown Farmington. So I wanted to, as our church You know, some people see it, well, you have your own building now, you're a real church, you're a grown-up church, you're a responsible church. I don't know about that. But um, as we enter that season, I wanted to take a few weeks just to remind everybody, here's why we do what we do. Here's why we do what we do. Church can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. Christianity can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. So we're going to go through some of the core teachings of Jesus. See, this is what we're about. As we are a portable church here at Faith United Methodist, and they have been so wonderful to us for four and a half years now, allowing us to meet here. And as we enter a new season where we have our own building, we're going to see growth as a church in numbers. We're believing that we're going to reach our community uh, more effectively with our own tool for ministry. It's not just about a building, but we're going to have that ability to have more outreach, more events, more things that we can do for the community. As we do all of these things, I want us to stop and just to pause and recognize, okay, Jesus, what have you called us to do and be as the church? And that is what we're doing in this series called Follower. So we talked about the idea week one, how the disciples, when they were first called to follow Jesus... They left their fishing nets. They were fish A lot of them were fishermen. That was symbolic of their leaving behind their livelihood. This is a life change. This is not just a follower like we believe a follower is today. You know, for example, on Instagram, here's TMI. But I follow Taylor Swift on Instagram, and if you don't like it, you're gonna have to deal with it. But I'm am a Taylor Swift fan. But it doesn't mean you know I, you know I'm not. I don't you know. F- stalk her. You know, I don't, don't do that. I'm not a follower. I'm not, she doesn't know who I am. We don't do life together. Not yet anyways. Um, maybe she's listening to this. I've been at all your concerts. I've only been to one. Um, you know, that's what we think of as a follower today is someone who is a fan or you support them or you want to observe them. Um, and that's what we think in following Jesus. Well, I like Jesus. I support Jesus. I want to keep in, keep in touch with Jesus every once in a while so I know what he's been up to. That's not what following is. Following is leaving your old life and saying, Jesus, I'm following you. Whatever you have me do, I'm going to obey. I'm going to pattern my life after your teachings and after your example. That's what we're talking about today. So, We talked about that. We talked about Jesus calling people to be born again. There's a change in your life. It's like you're born again. We talked about dying to self, how following Jesus is a foundational idea, is we no longer live for ourselves. We die to ourselves, the flesh, the self. We push that down, and we follow Jesus. And like I mentioned already, Christy talked last week about a life of obedience to him. So today, we're going to talk about um, the idea that Jesus taught In Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19, if you want to turn there, if you need a Bible, there should be some black hardcover Bibles in the pew that you're sitting in somewhere. You can follow along in Luke chapter 19. This is the story of Zacchaeus. Now, Some of you are thinking, I went to Sunday school, I don't need the Bible because I already know the song. Last week, Christy had a song, a Sunday school song in her message too, right? It was the, the wise man built his house on the rock, the wise man built, right? Well, this week, it's Zacchaeus. Anyone know the Zacchaeus song? Look at all, see, we need but we need more songs in Sunday school. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. And he climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house. <laughs> see, what we've had, I know I've preached on this before because... Now I apologize. Some of you were RSVP'd for the lunch for new people, and right now you're canceling that RSVP. You're like, I am out of here. This church is wacko. I want nothing to do with them, even with Chipotle. We talked about this last last I think I must have preached on this because Christy grew up in a house that said, For I'm going to your house for tea, for I'm going to and I'm like, that's crazy. But of course, I've sung lyrics to songs that were wrong too, so. All right, that is Zacchaeus. Now we'll get the actual version from the good Lord himself, the good book. Luke chapter 19, starting in verse one. It says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So if you've been around here long enough, I'm gonna pause there and just say, anytime you see tax collector, you have to know he's someone who sold out Someone who was a Jew And sold out to the Roman Empire and now is collecting taxes on behalf of the hated Roman Empire. Taking advantage of his fellow countrymen. So this guy is not well liked. He's a sellout and the other Jewish people do not like him. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy because he took advantage of people. He wanted to see who Jesus was but because he was short he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today and have tea. No, he didn't say that. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor If I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. And then here's the words we're going to focus on today. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So first you see all this conflict that brews every time the Pharisees are involved and every time Jesus is involved and someone that the Pharisees or the religious do-gooders consider a sinner, right? And that's everybody other than the Pharisees to them. They see Jesus hanging out with this hated tax collector and they say, why would he go over to his house? That's not what the religious people do. And Jesus takes this opportunity to remind them, I'm not here for the so-called religious insiders, I'm here because the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus recognizes this opportunity to let everyone know why he's here and what he's all about. It's for those who have not yet been found. It's for the lost. It's for the outsider. And first, I want to highlight one thing about this story. I'm sorry, I'm not gonna, I don't want to be a diva pastor. I'm going to need a glass of water or something if somebody could grab my Hoff. Hoff is on it. Thank you, Dave. Um, unless you guys are leaving. <laughs> no, Because then they both got up. And I thought, oh, I've made this awkward for everybody. They are leaving, but hopefully Dave will bring me a Yeah, he's going to bring me a glass of water first. Oh, man. That was well-timed. Now we're all going to give Dave a, an evil look as he's walking out because he's leaving church early. And Jesus said, Whoever leaves the house of the Lord before the service is over. Dave, thank you very much. Enjoy your day. Oh, you're not leaving. They are. The rest of your family is the pagans. You're staying put. Well, of course you are now, now that I called you out. (laughs) Honey, start the car. Oh. Oh, man, where am I? Okay, first of all, I love this story because here's one thing. If you've ever studied all the world religions and you've thought, well, why is Christianity just the same as all the other religions? This right here is a story of how Christianity is unique to every other world religion, and that is that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Our God seeks People. He seeks out the lost. Every other religion, if you are a sinner or lost or wanting to get close to your God, you have to achieve it. You have to work. You have to do all the right things or say all the right things. And if you earn it, then the God will accept you. But what the Bible talks about our God, which is unique to Christianity, is that our God seeks. You are here, I am here because of a God whose presence sought you out who spoke to your heart, who reached out to you and offered salvation, free of charge that you don't have to earn, but our God sought people out, gave his life for them, and that is unique to Christianity. Others seek after God, our God seeks after the lost. That is wonderful, that is amazing. That is unique and shows the heart of our God, that shows the heart of Jesus Christ, that he came for those who are lost. If you are lost, if you have yet to give your life to Jesus, he is here seeking after you. He came and gave his life for you so that you could be found. Our God seeks those who are on the, quote, unquote, outside looking in. The Pharisees in this story were all about the insiders. They're all about the religious insiders saying, well, we do this and we're perfect and you shouldn't be doing that and you shouldn't be doing that. And Jesus reminds them, I'm not here for the insiders, I came to seek those who are lost so that more people could be brought into the family. This is at the heart of Jesus. Our God seeks those who are on the outside. And this is why we're here. Not only as a product of his salvation, but this is why we're here as a church, as followers of Jesus. Because we are going to join Jesus as we follow him in seeking the lost. In reaching those who are on the outside. That's why we are here. So... If you're here today, excuse me, sorry about this. This could get gross with the throat. Um, If you're here today and you have yet to become a follower of Jesus, know that God is seeking after you, wanting you to be saved, knowing that you're not too far gone. He reaches out. You're like Zacchaeus in the tree, and Jesus is stopping and saying, I want to come into your life. I want I'm seeking after you I want to come into your life. But maybe you're here and you've become a follower of Jesus and you're just learning what it means to follow Jesus. This is the core of the heart of our savior is reaching out to those who are on the outside, reaching those who are in need, who are lost. So even at a brand new even as a brand new Christian you can still say, you know what? I want to bring other people along. I want to find out who the lost people are and the outsiders and bring them in. This is the heart of our Savior, amen? This is the heart of what he is about. And maybe some of you are like me and you've been a Christian for years and years and years and years. And this message is a reminder at the heart of everything we do, it's going out and finding the lost and introducing them to Jesus because that was at the heart of our Savior. That is at the heart of our God who came to seek and to save the lost. We are a seeking movement. We are a seeking movement. We are not a club for the religious types, okay? We are seeking those who are lost and saying, we have found life in Jesus Christ. Come and see. Let me introduce you to Jesus. We, if you don't know this about our church, our church is an Assemblies of God church. That's the denomination we are a part of. And so that means we have a fellowship of other Assemblies of God churches around. There's another one in Farmington. We have a district office in Minnesota. We have youth camps. And the youth convention the kids are going to in next this week is an Assemblies of God youth convention. But at the heart of our denomination is a sending and seeking movement. The Assemblies of God leads the world in so many ways as far as sending out missionaries. We are sending out, we just had um, this past year, we did... We've counted all the people who are being sent out as first-time missionaries, and it was the highest number we've ever had. It was the highest number any denomination has ever had in first-time missionaries being sent out to seek and see the lost found. We are a part of a missions movement that all would hear the good news. So as a church, this is a reminder, we have an outward focus. We have an outward focus. We are looking to those who are lost, to those on the outside. So for our church in this upcoming season, we're going to become a grown-up church with our own home and our own bills to pay, right? Our own mortgage and all these things. I've seen this in many churches, not really young churches, but more as churches get older and maybe it's the same as people when they get older, they stop looking out so much and they start worrying about the inside a little bit too much. And we stop worrying about the outsiders, and we start focusing on those who are here and making sure all the people who are here are happy. And we have all the right bells and whistles and ministries for the people who are here. And then the people start complaining because, well, I didn't like the color of this, that you painted this, and the music's too loud, and the temperature wasn't right, and somebody took my seat. And, you know, it's the... It's the The natural flow of any organization, especially a church, after many years is to start looking inward and to make sure everybody on the inside is happy. It's so easy for churches to gradually turn inward as they get older, or in our case, as we get a building and we have more responsibilities. Instead of looking to the outsiders, we're looking to the insiders and making sure everybody's happy. You see this in churches that no longer have a sense of urgency about reaching the lost. It becomes about keeping everybody happy, and we turn inward, and the people get bored because we're not doing anything with our faith, and bored people turn inward and selfish and whiny, just like kids, okay? <laughs> Have you ever noticed that with your kids when they're whiny and like, why is this happening and I don't want to eat that, and I didn't ask for that kind of cheese on my sandwich, and the, after a while you realize they're not brats, they're just bored, right? Go do something with your life, right? If you would just go do something and come back when you're hungry, you wouldn't be so worried about exactly the right recipe for, we have this in our house where kids will be like, I'm hungry. And all this, well, we've got this, this, or this, or this, or this, and everything. No, no, no. I don't want that. Well, you're not hungry. If you were, you'd eat something, right? If you're really hungry, if you've ever been really hungry, you don't care what kind of cheese is on your sandwich, you're going to eat it. Yes. Thank you, Patty. Get it. With your kids, you just realize you're just bored. You're just bored. Go out and do something. Go out and do something, and you'll find less things to complain about. This has, in the social media age, the epicenter for whiny complaining is found in neighborhood Facebook groups. Okay? So, for example, I live in Charleswood. And some of you are like, ooh, Charleswood. We just, we just had a new, new monument sign put up, and thanks to Martin. yes, there's the guy who did the work right there. Some of you are like, whoa, Charleswood. Well, we have. I'm a member of the Charleswood neighborhood Facebook page. Now, all, for the most part, all it is is just people complaining about stuff, and someone will say, this, these teenagers were out walking around, you know. Kicking the garbage can at the park, and then all the other people, how dare they? And then it's parent shaming. Where's their parents, and how could they? And it just goes on and on. I'm like, man, all, all these things they're listing, I used to do as a teenager. I just don't think the parents had Facebook, or they had too much other stuff to do to complain about it. But, you, you know, loud vehicles. When's the snow plows coming? Teenagers behaving badly or driving erratically and all these things. There was one... Well, there was one time I got singled out. I got Facebook shamed because I, it was this time of year I was too slow to rake the leaves on my lawn. Yes, this is serious business. My thought is I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait till the leaves are all off the tree and rake this sucker one time, right? So my leaves were, they were piling up, but there were still some up there. I'm like, it's not time yet. And then we had a, the Lord hasn't, you know, warranted yet because there's still leaves up there. And then we had a really windy day And all the leaves blew off my lawn. And so I see that as the hand of the Lord as a miracle, right? (laughs) But the guy at the end of the street, I think all my leaves ended up on his lawn. And so he's saying to the person on Ewing Street who refuses to rake their leaves, way to go. Now I've had to do it for the third time. And I'm like, well, that's your problem. You're raking too early. But there was one time, I was asking Christy about this, this was my favorite one, is that somebody post on the Charles Wood Facebook page, posted a picture of what looked like the remains of an animal that had been eaten. So obviously a bigger animal had come along, found a squirrel, eaten the parts that they wanted, and left the remains there. Well, this mom said, what is this, and why is this on the sidewalk? What kind of kids would do this to an animal? Right, And then all the other moms, the kids in this neighborhood are the worst. Where are their parents? And then it was like, these, these kids aren't, are being raised, I don't know what it was. These kids are being raised without any guidance or leadership. They're going to turn into serial killers one day. Look at what they did to that Anna. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. And finally, someone with a calmer perspective said that's like a, a hawk or a coyote or something that ate the animal and left the rest there. It's, it's, it's going to be fine. You're, the kids in this world are going to be fine. But it had worked up into such a frenzy, and my thought in that moment was, everyone in this group needs to get involved in the community or go outside or find something to do, because with too much time on your hands, you're going to just start complaining about useless stuff. So the point of that whole go around illustration was a church that stops having urgency for why we are here is going to start complaining about useless stuff. And it's just going to ramp up and it's going to ramp up and we're going to be like the Charleswood Facebook page. So if I've got a few people from Charleswood here, I hope the guy at the end of my street isn't listening to this today. I'll, I'll rake my leaves, I promise. But the outrage capability we have over meaningless stuff has reached critical mass in our world. And I think it's because people just need to be involved in something bigger than themselves. And so for the church, we have that. To seek and see the lost saved. That's what we are about When we start complaining about inward stuff, if you see a church that started complaining about inward stuff and how nobody's behaving the way they like, that's a good sign that they've lost focus on the urgency of the call that we have to reach lost people. Amen? So that's what we are about. I've heard this said, that it's the difference between a battleship and a cruise ship. Okay? If you get on a cruise ship, everything's decorated beautifully and it's designed for one thing for your comfort and meals all the time and music options and you got entertainment and stuff for your kids and it's just like, yes, I feel like I'm being taken care of. And you probably have a good sense of people complaining because they've turned inward and it's all about them. That's what a cruise ship is for. A battleship is not decorated, you know, nicely. There's not meals all the time. There's not entertainment all the time because they have a mission. They're there for a purpose. They're out doing something. So they're not going to complain about the, the, the amount of entertainment. A church is not a cruise ship. A church is here because we have a mission to see the lost saved. And so anytime we start turning inward and complaining about stuff, that's a sign that we've lost focus on what we are doing as a church. Churches with that burden to reach the lost aren't worried about the silly inward things because the urgency cuts down on all that unimportant stuff. Churches with this burden aren't worried about other churches competing with them. We live in a world where it's like, oh, this other church moved in. What are they going to do? They're going to take our people. No, that's inward thinking. There's lost people. There's more lost people. We've got to reach more lost people. So as churches come and go, we're going to celebrate that. If we're reaching lost people together, that's great. And there's a way, and I'll just say this, if there's going to be times where people leave this church and go to another church, and there's times where that's done out of like silly inward thing. Well, I didn't like this part of this, and they weren't offering all the things I wanted, so I'm gonna go over there. And for the most part, pastors can sniff that stuff out pretty quick. You know, if you're new here and you're coming, in, well, I used to go to that church, but there was some things going on, and then and I can tell pretty quick, like, oh, they didn't do what you wanted, right? They didn't do what you wanted, and so. But sometimes there's a real good reason to leave a church. Sometimes it's a ministry thing. Sometimes I mean, churches can be wacko, so sometimes it's like get out of there and find a normal church. But There can be ministry reasons where God has a call in your life. We celebrate that. If there's a ministry that's happening in another church, we celebrate that because we are not competing with other churches. We are here to see the lost saved. We're on mission together. So all of these things lead to two points today that I want to talk about. And in a few moments, we're going to share communion together as a church at the end of the service. But there's just two things. Because we're followers of Jesus, and following closely the teachings of Jesus, from this story, I want to uh, point out two things. First is this. Followers have a heart for the lost. Followers have a heart for the lost. If you follow Jesus, you have a heart for the lost, because that's what he did. That's what he modeled. That was his example. So just a few pages back in the book of Luke, in chapter 15, there were three parables that Jesus Taught on, taught about the lost things, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. I'm going to read a couple of verses from these because they all kind of have the same idea this heart for the lost that Jesus has. This is Jesus' teaching from Luke chapter 15. I'm going to start in verse 1. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Again, the ongoing conflict between the insiders and the outsiders. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. He calls all his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. We're going to stop there. This is Jesus again reiterating, I'm here for the lost. Now, if you're one of the 99, at no point, if you're one of the found, at no point do you say, Jesus doesn't care about me. This shepherd doesn't care about me. But what we get is Jesus' heart for the lost. If you have one that's lost, there's urgency there. The 99 are good. They're, we're, we'll worry about them in a moment. Well, we've got to find the one who is lost. The next parable, the same idea, of the lost coin. Jesus talks about a lady who has 10 valuable silver coins, loses one of them, and you know basically searches throughout her house until she finds it and then rejoices. It's the same idea, the urgency of the lost. There is one who is lost. That takes priority. We are urgently looking and seeking those who are lost. And the third parable is the parable of the lost son. You know this story is the story of the prodigal son. A wealthy man with two sons, one of them says, Father, I want my half of the inheritance now and I'm out of here. And he takes his money and he leaves and he squanders it in evil and wild living is what the scripture says. Then he runs out of money and then there's a famine that hits and he finds himself in poverty He's eating the food that the, the farmers are given to the pigs. This is how low he has come. And he finally realizes, I had it better at home. Maybe my father, after I have turned and rejected him, maybe my father will take me back." And he wanders home, humbly in defeat, stumbles home, hoping that his father will take him back. And his father rejoices. His father rejoices, welcomes him home takes the fatted calf and kills it and prepares this great feast for his son who was lost but is now found. This is Jesus telling this story as again a reminder his heart is for the lost. But what I want to read today is the response of the older bro- or the younger, the older brother. The response of the younger the older brother as his brother comes home. The one who was there the whole time, the one who never rebelled, he has a hard heart. He's like, "Dad, why are you celebrating this? I'm your son who's always been with you." So I want to read the verses as Jesus is teaching this in verse 28. It says this. The older brother became angry and refused to go into this celebration. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, "Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and have never disobeyed your order." Yet you never gave gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. In other words, you throw a big party for him. And the father says this, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The father's heart is for the lost. The Father's heart is for the lost, and we have to have that same heart. Followers of Jesus have a heart for the lost. Second point is this. Followers of Jesus take responsibility for the lost. Followers take responsibility for the lost. The end of his ministry on earth, after Jesus died and rose, he gave the great commission. That's in Matthew 28, verse 18. It says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, do we have that scripture, Matthew 28, 18? All authority in heaven has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you are an insider, if you are found, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's our mission. That's it, to go and make disciples. This is not something that's just for the professionals, this is not something that's just for the pastors or the, the preachers on TV. This is for followers of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, this commission is for you. Go into the world and make disciples. So go into the world, what does that mean? Well, this week, you're going to go into the world. You're going to go to school. You're going to go to your workplace. You're going to go into Charles Wood neighborhood and make disciples. This is why we're here, to make disciples. This is the mission that we are on. It's not for me and Christy to do. You know, the goal of this is for not, not for you to all of you line up all your lost and unsaved friends and for have us to quickly, frantically run around trying to save as many as possible. This is for all of us to do. This is why we are here as followers of Jesus. This responsibility is on us. We feel the responsibility that eternity hangs in the balance for people who are lost. This responsibility falls on us. This is what Jesus had in mind when he had the small group of disciples and said, it's now up to you. And the movement has spread and spread through generation after generation, and now it's us. The responsibility falls on us. So I need everyone in this church to think outward, to think outward, to own the responsibility for the lost, to own the responsibility for the lost that God has brought into your life. There was one church, I don't remember what church it was, but one of their things was own your block, own your block, the block that you live on, those houses, pray for them, build relationships with them, take responsibility for the lost people in there because that's why you're there. You might be the only one who's going to share Jesus Christ with the people in your school, on your street, in your workplace. So we have that responsibility as a follower of Jesus. And so as you do that, and here's the thing, here's what I want to end with. As you do that, some things are going to happen. As you take that responsibility for the lost people that you have in your world, here's some things that are going to happen. You're going to feel less stressed about the unimportant things in your life because you're going to have a higher mission, a higher calling. You're going to feel a burden for the lost grow. Maybe you don't really feel that right now. And just out of obedience, you're going to walk in obedience and faith. And, but you will feel that burden for lost people grow. You'll have a heart of care and concern for them. Your prayer life will increase as you sense that mission that God has for you. You'll get involved more at church. I t- when you invite somebody to church, and maybe you're here today and you've been inviting someone and they finally came, when you invite someone to church, you're like, oh, you, you feel that stress, don't you? I remember that. You're like, oh, please let the music be okay and don't let pastors say anything dumb and help the kids to have a good time in church and help it not to be so hot in there because they don't have air conditioning and thankfully it's fall now. And all these. When you invite someone to church, you instantly take so much more ownership about your church, don't you? You're like, oh, hopefully somebody will welcome them and be friendly to them in the lobby. Right? Hopefully they meet somebody and feel welcomed and feel at home. That's what we're doing. That's what will happen as we get this burden and this responsibility for lost people. You will see, if you do this, you'll see a greater sense of joy and purpose and peace and calling. You will feel more alive as you do this. You'll realize, this is why I'm here. This is great. It's addicting. This is fun. Seeing God use me to change the life of somebody, that You'll never get tired of that. When you see somebody that you built a relationship with, okay, full disclosure here, and this is where you may walk out of this church. I go to Zumba class all the time, and I say that today because my Zumba instructor is here today. Well, when I... Now, if the Lord can use me dancing in a Zumba class for his glory, then he can use anything because it's bad. It's bad, but I love it. And the the reason I do it is a fun way to get some exercise. But because people that I've built relationships there have come to church. God has touched the lives of people in that class. People will come up to me at the end of class and start talking about spiritual things. It's super weird and I feel weird after dancing to the songs that we dance to that they want to talk about church and faith. But God is using, I'll never get tired of having those conversations. I get emails from time to time from people who are newer to the faith, or they're just coming back to faith, or they're taking a step, and they're like, what Bible should I read? Or what what resource do I have? I love that. Christy and I will share moments like that all the time of I'm so glad we get to be a part of this, because God is using our humble efforts to change eternity for people. Like that's amazing. So you will have, as you get this burden for lost people, a joy, a calling, a purpose to your life that you're not going to get when you just think about yourself. There is a misunderstanding at times with this, and you might be thinking that today. You might be new to faith or you might be here just thinking, my life's a total mess right now. I got to figure out me first, and then I'll worry about the lost, okay? It's like the airline announcement that if you depressurize, the airbags are going to come down. I always feel it's weird. Parents, put the mask on you first before you put it on your kids. I'm sure there's a good enough reason, but I'd have a hard time being like, hang on, suffocating children while dad takes, <laughs> takes care of himself, right? That does, I'm sure there's a reason, but here's the deal. If you're thinking, I got to figure out myself first before I can worry about the lost, that's, that's not right. Every season you are in, especially if you're in a mess, that's a season that God can redeem for his glory. And you can bring other people along with you and say, I'm a total mess. But here's what I'm reaching out to God for. Let me tell you about my Savior who received me as a total mess, who sought me out when I was a total mess. So don't be thinking that, well, I've got to just get my life in order first. A, none of us ever really get our lives in order, right? Do we? Is anyone, I mean, we're always going to be a mess in some way. So let's use that and bring people along. Let's think outward. That's a misunderstanding if you're going to think, well, I've got to get myself figured out first. As a church, as a whole, it would be really easy for us to say, well, we've got to get this building finished and paid for and make sure we got all the bills covered before we worry about outreach and missions. Right? Let's take care of us first. No, we're not going to do that because that's not what we were designed to do. And God is going to bless you individually and bless us as a church when we have his heart for lost people. So who has God put on your heart? Who has God put in your world? Maybe there's someone right now that you're, it just comes to mind. You know God has that person in your life for a reason because he wants you to seek them out, build a relationship, share your faith with them. And I'm praying for all of us that God's going to open doors this week for a classmate, someone in your school, someone at work, someone in your neighborhood, a neighbor. You know, maybe love your neighbor as yourself is your actual neighbor right next door. That's why God has you there. As followers, we got to grow in this, and I'm praying that God is going to open those doors for all of us, for all of us to do that, to have that responsibility and that heart for the lost. You're never going to regret it. You're never going to regret it. And you'll get to heaven someday, and we won't know on earth all the ripple effects of ways that we reached out. But I believe the favorite day in heaven is when we're going to get to see the people who are there in part because of something you did. A word that you shared, a Bible verse that you shared. Sometime you prayed with someone or you shared your faith or you went to a Zumba class. That's going to be really weird and awkward if I see the people who are there because of my Zumba skills. Um, you're going to get to heaven someday and you're going to see the people who are there because of the investment that you had in lost people. The heart that you had for lost people. And you're going to say, man, I'm so glad I did that. It was worth every moment. It was worth every moment. I want us to grow in that. You're never going to regret it. As we close today, we're going to take communion together. And I thought this was a good day to do communion. We, do, we take communion. We should do it more often. But we take communion once in a while because it's something that Jesus said to his followers. Do this. Do this once in a while so that you remember what happened on the cross. So that's what we're doing today. And we're going to, in a moment, we're going to take communion together. Christy's going to lead us in a song. But here's why I wanted to do this today. Because this is when we remember That Jesus came to seek and save the lost. This was his heart for lost people. That he had that burden and that responsibility for lost people. This is when we remembered that that burden and responsibility led him to the cross where he died for you and I. And so we've got some grape juice and some crackers up here. And they represent the blood and the body that was broken and shed for you. Because of his heart for the lost. Because you were the one that was lost. And Jesus said, I got to go out and reach the one. I got to go out and reach the one. And I'll pay whatever price and I will give my life on the cross so that we could receive forgiveness and mercy and new life. So,